motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. All right, welcome to Talk and Power podcast episode 100. And 41, we're really moving along here, and I, I'm recording here with Super Street Royalty, I should say, in some case. I'm here with Lisa and Paul Garbellini. Thanks thanks for joining us in this podcast today. No worries. No thanks worries. for having us. Yeah. I, I must say, how does that actually sit with you guys? Because it, it appears, we think it's the, well, you can tell us, but is it the first time ever? That it's a husband and wife have gone first and second in the championship in Super Street or in any category of drag racing? From what we've been told, we keep getting told from Andrew that this is the first husband and wife one and two in Australian drag racing history. Yeah. I don't know how they would check that, but in their books that they've got, it's the first one. I'd be, I believe so as well. I, I, don't, I don't recall. I was going to reach out to... Um, uh, Luke Newhoff, because he was a bit of a, a guru on that sort of stuff, but I, I didn't in the end, so I should have reached out to Luke and, and just asked the question, but I think it's a magnificent achievement, and for you guys to, to do so. Have you ever guys considered yourself as the Triple Eight of drag racing? <laughs> no, nothing like that. Definitely definitely lacking in the um, in the money department of the Triple Eight. <laughs> Maybe the money department, but I mean the way you, you present the cars are you know reasonably identical, using the same sponsorship across both cars. I know it's a long a long draw, but you know I mean, no, we don't see that too often in drag racing, do we? Where you know competitors have multiple cars in the one team that are almost identical. Yeah, I guess you you look at it like that. Um, we have sort of set it up definitely looking like a team uh, system, and. Um, you know, we try and get the cars presentable in that way, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And right. I certainly, you know, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the cars shortly. Um, I want to mention some accolades. I'm sitting here with Lisa right now, and you are the reigning Australian uh, Summer Racing Equipment uh, Sportsman's uh, Series Super Street Champion. Jeez, that's a mouthful, especially when you write <laughs> it out. Uh, taking the championship... From your husband. We're sitting here with the trophies. This is, I, I've never been this close to an Andrew trophy, I must say. So thank you for bringing them in. If you're watching the video, make sure you look at that gold Christmas tree and the runner-up Christmas tree as well. They are magnificent additions to your family, no doubt. But tell us, I mean, taking that championship from your husband and you finishing in second place, I know it's a difficult question, but, but talk us through that, that achievement, Lisa. Uh, I definitely wouldn't be out there without without him because <laughs> if he didn't organise my car to go to uh, Darwin Alice, I wouldn't be able to beat him and have a win. So, yeah, it's a big achievement and uh, hopefully I can do it again in the future. Well, let's talk about that. I w- I'm really curious to talk about that that particular road trip there. That kicked off in uh, July of 2021. Let's be honest, uh, the borders were pretty problematic back then. Uh, how did you, you know, I know Gordon Crawford took the, the, one of the cars up for you, but it, it really is the ultimate road trip. You've actually taken your race car, the 12, correct me if I'm wrong, 12,107 kilometre road trip. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I was usually pretty good with the mass, but uh, yeah, I think it's something like that. Yeah. I mean, talk us through that road trip just to start with. So if I'm right here, it went Eniaba, Dampier, Broome, Kununurra, 
Darwin, Alice Springs, and then back home in the opposite direction. You didn't go back through South Australia because South Australia was closed at the time. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Once we um, we made the trip down to Alice Springs for the second round, uh, there was an outbreak in South Australia and um, they closed the border to... Well, they didn't close the border to Northern Territory. It's just if we went through South Australia, we weren't going to be able to come back home freely. Mm-hmm. So yep. we had to go back up the top, which extended it. So yeah. and, we, and we went the coast. Pretty sure we... Yeah, we went the coast both times. That's right, yeah. Yeah, okay. Righto. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a long road trip. I mean, on something like that, it, it must bring you guys closer together, surely. Yeah, well, uh, I mean. we didn't talk too much, but <laughs> just trying to make sure he doesn't fall asleep at the wheel. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, so talk us through that that road trip because I know you got a Facebook page and where we can follow what you do. You're you're literally camping on the side of the road. I know you're going up with some other teams as well, but you, you you're pretty much camping on the side of the road. Yeah, so I oh, a couple of years ago I found out that one of the kings. Deluxe uh, swags actually fits across the back seat of a Commodore. Yep. So that became the new uh, accommodation. Yep. For all these trips, so we just load that in there. Uh, this trip, we because Lisa was coming with me, I took a bit of cooking gear and all that sort of stuff, and we'd have some snaggers on the side of the road at night or something like that. Yeah. Um, we left later than a lot of the other people. We caught uh, Marty Mirko, who was a current Super Street uh, Super Sedan champion at the time, uh, in Port. Or 100 k's out of Port Hedland because he broke down with his trailer. Yep. So, you know, we ended up, and then we rode up with him. But, yeah, every night it's on the side of the road until we got to Broome, I think, because I was just over being in the swag. <laughs> so <laughs> I was woke up in the morning on the side of the road and on the uh, on the phone looking for some accommodation in Broome, which was hard to get at the time. Yeah, yeah, I can bet. So for those that are listening from other parts of the world or other, other countries, uh, Broome is basically... How would you say it's probably it's a bit of a tourist spot, really, in, yeah, in Australia? Yeah, they call it gateway to the Kimberley. Yeah, yeah, so it's um it's it's understandable that I can imagine that was quite quite difficult to get into. So mm. yeah, for those that aren't familiar with Australia, you, you, it was you know it's you're going up from Perth, which is on if you're looking at Australia in the bottom left hand corner, driving all the way up to the top of Western Australia, across a bit, and then back down again for really what is required to, if you're going to win a championship or be in the running, you've got to do that leg, don't you? That, yeah. that, that the Darwin Alice yeah. Springs leg. Yeah. Yep. And I worked with a guy who's up in Broome who, who lives up there and he said at the time we tried to go up there was record uh, people in Broome because WA was pretty open for COVID so that's where everyone wanted to be. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Funnily enough, I was actually in Kununurra myself in July of, of uh, that year as well and I know it was it was fairly well packed yeah. that the um, up there as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's magnificent that, you know, you you take this car. Do you get a lot of people on the side of the or you know, in towns noticing? Like, I mean, it's you, you've come here with a car tonight. Uh, do you get a lot of people, like asking questions about the car or looking at the car yeah there's a few you know when you stop for um stop for fuel and stuff like that people are saying well you're a long way from home with that thing you know yeah yeah so you know people get you know get to conversation and people ask what you're doing you say you're driving out for a race i say you're crazy yeah Yeah. but that's the that's the beauty about drag racing isn't it as well like i mean you wouldn't get too many sports where you know the competitors might be driving through town or, you know, even actually driving their race car through town, 
So I think that's one of the the benefits of of drag racing and and what you guys do, and I think bringing it to the people. I think that's a magnificent achievement, really. Yeah, I guess, I guess we're able to do it, and and this, the class is sort of, you know, it's named Super Street, so we try to use street cars. So. Mm, yep, yep. Talk us through this. I mean, I look at a lot of social media commentary, and and Jamie Chasty, we on, we know Jamie and the Chasty family really well. Uh, he once wrote in one of your comments, your commitment to the National Series is killer. Those are his words. It really is second to none, isn't it? And I, I believe, you know, it's, I, I, would, I would think that comes at a pretty big cost, not just financially, but also to, to you, you, yourselves and, and also your commitment to other things that you might be doing in spare time. I know that you sometimes have to arrange swing changes because you're, you're, you're FIFO as well. Yeah. Talk us through that, what, what the... For people that might not be sure what the commitment to drag racing, especially when you're doing the national series, is like, oh, it definitely takes away from a lot of you know family and friends yeah. and stuff and like that. Weddings and stuff. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I mean, luckily our wedding worked out that way, yeah. but um, I have missed other people's weddings for drag racing. Um, or work. Yeah, uh, work, and it, it does get hard. You know, you pretty much take out all annual leave. It's all used for drag racing, mm. Um, mm. and then. Uh, money wise, yeah, just sucks down on that pretty hard. But yeah. you know, that's what we were committed to, so we we poured it all into that. And <laughs> you know, some people may not say it's worth it, but you know, we can we've got the memories from the trips and everything, and we we use it as holidays. So yeah, um, even our honeymoon was pretty much a drag racing trip. Mm. We um, yep. drove to Melbourne, uh, raced in Portland, top qualified, runner up the meeting put the car in storage, flew up to Hamilton Island for five days mm. um, and then flew back home, uh, flew back to Melbourne, picked the car up out of storage, raced at the Australian Nationals at Calder, uh, went to the semi-finals there and come home. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely committed to it, but it takes a toll in pretty much everything you do. Mm. Do you have family you know family and friends are really supportive like but there must be people that don't don't get it as well like do you have people that say to you geez you're gonna miss this you know a baptism or something like that because of a of a drag mate yeah definitely yeah it's tough isn't it because i know we've spoken with people before on the podcast and they give their they give they'll put a portion of their life aside for this but you know these trophies as you said might not be they might be just trophies to people off the street but these are these are more than just trophies aren't they they're 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 a commitment to a sport that yeah. is you know has struggled over the years but is is in my view coming back and coming back really strong yeah yeah definitely i mean lisa's sister she's got some young kids at the moment so they're all going through all the things that you'd probably like to be around for but we take a lot of time off but mm. you know you try and spend as much time with family as you can yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were able to uh, watch my races in darwin alice so they were able to witness me having a win so that was pretty good as well well they they were there were they or? Uh, they were no, they, they um back at home yeah well, but the live stream the live stream has yeah. been pretty good the yeah. last few years they've been getting a live stream going on most of the events and people at home Lisa's mum even sitting at home watching yeah. it, so it's pretty good. That it, was amazing for it, her to uh, witness a win, so yeah. yeah, it's good. It is, and I saw it as well, and the, the Darwin the Darwin feed was pretty good, and the Alice Springs one, uh, yeah, maybe not as good, but still there, you know? Yeah. And the sport is, look, I, I, I went to the, the grand final meet myself in person, but my wife and my mother-in-law, who doesn't follow the sport at all, watched the seven-mate feed as well. 
that must be huge now. That, that has to have an influence on the sport, I think, in a couple of years' time. And winning the championship there, I know Stewie Bond and, and the, well, not just Stewie Bond, um, uh, Chris Mitchell, I think his name is as well. They really do uh, great ambassadors for the sport. And I think they're doing a magnificent job in, in, in the live stream and the live TV. You know, let's think about this. Ten years ago, if we sat down in here and said, oh, yeah, drag racing is going to be on seven, mate, or seven... We would have said live, no way. No. Yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely come forward leaps and bounds, and and hopefully it carries that strength into the future. Yeah, look, we'll talk about Andrew a bit later on. I don't want to, don't want to get too deep into Andrew right now, but I, yeah, we'll talk about them a bit later on. Paul, let, let's talk about you for a moment here. I, I, you sort of got started in two thousand and ten, from what I can understand. You're dipping your toe into Fast Fridays, a dial your own handicap. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, um, I was doing a little bit of Wednesday Warrior stuff um, to start with, you know, had a V6 and then I jumped to a V8 and um, I joined a car club, Commodore Car Club at WA and uh, a couple of the guys in there used to go down racing on a fast Friday and they talked me into giving it a crack. Um, so we went down there and actually won the first meeting and that was it, bang, the hook was set from then on. Um, mm. And then from that point it's just pour your money in and, and grab a hold. Um, and I've been doing pretty much try to do every event since then and it's been 12 years yeah that's incredible yeah. talk us through that how important is because I've been down on a few Wednesday nights but how important is the Wednesday night like if let's say someone from the government's listening right now uh, in, in that runs Venues West and they look at on paper and they think geez Wednesday night costs us a lot of money you know having staff down there for a handful of cars to go down the track how, but how important is it to the sport? Because we've seen, as you just said, Wednesday Warriors. I've seen a lot of Wednesday Warriors go on to, to do bigger and better things. Yeah, it's it's a feeder. It's sort of like, you know, people aren't just going to go and pull out 50k and buy a drag car. So they might go down in their streeter and, and it could be their daily, their Hyundai XL or something, and they go, this is pretty cool. Yep. And they might buy something they can play around with and every Wednesday or every second Wednesday something go down, step up into a Friday... And then later on, you might see them in some big categories. You mm. know, you never know how it's going to go. Just if somebody tries it out and loves it, that's what's going to push them forward. So. Yeah. yeah, it is important. And I went to a recent, I went to a recent Wednesday night not that long ago, and yeah, the numbers weren't great. And yeah, if you're an accountant, you probably look at it and think this is not really great for the sport. But I can't help but think that is feeding the drag racing beast. Uh, for years to come and that's why I wanted to bring it up because I know you sort of got started on the fast Fridays the Wednesdays I think the Friday is the next sort of yep. stepping stone and then a national opens yep. on a Saturday is is the next thing you think back to Ravenswood days we, we had limited opportunities I know Simon who, who couldn't make it for this podcast I used to crew with him back in Ravenswood and we every now and then they would throw a Sunday street a, a street fighter series and we would head down there and you know there was a guy called Eddie Tassoni down there and, you know, he went on to bigger and better things. There was a couple of other races there that went on to bigger and better things as well. And I can't help, you know, we need to promote the Wednesday nights and try to get many, you know, even if, it, as you said, you started out in a V6, but yeah. they're still formidable cars and you have a lot of fun driving a V6 out the back door. Maybe it's only, you know, 15-2, 15-3, but it's still a hell of a lot of fun, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, gets you out there. I mean, they'll... The guys there, they put you with cars that are sort of doing the similar thing. And mm. what's been really good lately, and I try and get down there and help out when I can, 
Um, they've been doing a dial your own sort of uh, sort of like a taste test for people, and they just sort of throw a number on the window and, and get them used to dial your own racing to figure out the basics of it, just mm. to show that doesn't matter how fast or slow your car is, uh, you can win in that sort of a group three scenario. So mm, yeah, and it's been pretty good. A lot of people are just jumping on it and loving it. So mm. if if that can feed into bigger things later and pump up the the national series and then hopefully it all works out yeah yeah no definitely i i, I agree with you 100 percent there so your first championship was actually last year's it was actually that would have been a tough championship to win because that actually went 2019 2020 and 2021 talk us through the discussions that both of you had leading into that season where you make the commitment to what that turned out to be a 12 round series so that's a lot of travel a lot of a lot of commitment talk us through like as a husband and wife the discussions you have prior to you committing to something like that yeah well it was a bit of a um he was going to do it no matter what so. okay <laughs> all right well, that was that was the end of it <laughs> well i mean a little bit before that um there were, we sort of had a bit of health issues between ourselves and we thought, you know, you never know what's coming in life. So I'm going to give it a crack. I, I travelled a few years on and off and done a few events and just thought, let's give it a, a solid crack and see what we can do. So I committed to Darwin and Alice the start of it and then um, Alice Springs always seems to be a hard track for me. I always seem to break something. Uh, so, and there was another one where you're in the pits pulling the gearbox out trying to make everything work. But we also hired a um, ZB Commodore from Budget, so at least could have a go. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, we, you know, you get into the season. We did a few events. COVID hit in 2020, and it was question marks and everything. Travelled where I could. Um, you sort of go halfway through events and you really need to have a good win to, or have a win to put you up in the points. So I was grabbing points here and there, but I was a long way away from the lead. The series got extended, I think it was after the... So we went to the Western Nationals and then went over to Mildura. And the Mildura event was, was the same day as the GP that got cancelled in Melbourne. Oh, yes, yep. Yep, so it all got cancelled from there and it was all just, nobody knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. Then they announced that it was going to be extended and then so we didn't get another event until late 2020, which I think might have been Portland. Yeah. So I had to go to Portland. Um, COVID, everything, borders, it was all hard. The second event in, Co- uh, in Portland, if I went over, then I'd had to have to quarantine. Mm. And I thought, well, I'd done every round so far since this whole thing started. I thought, I'm not going to stop now stuff at mm. quarantine or whatever i'm going yeah so i took the trip over to portland luckily enough uh since there was two rounds in portland in a row i left my car in south australia with uh some friends from drag race and the Karanovics. um they were kindly enough to store the car um picked it up from them went to portland and actually won the event so that put me right up in the points uh, i think we had three people on the points cap yep and then it came to the final, which they announced in Mildura, and then we went to that with a few people on the in the uh, equal lead, and 
sorted out from there. And, yeah. and I was lucky enough to come away with a win. Yeah, yeah. Jumping around a little bit here, sorry to do that, but then just take us back to Darwin as well. Talk about that event itself. Like the event itself in Darwin, like it's really the people in Darwin really do get behind drag racing, don't they? Yeah. It's a massive sort of uh, get-together. I know they have the uh, funny cars a couple of weeks earlier with the V8 supercars. So it's a kind of build-up to that, and then it's a pretty big event. I know a lot of West Australians go over for it. But just talk us about the euphoria around Darwin and, and what happens there. Darwin is a absolute ripper of an event. They love motorsport up there. Mm. They even have, uh, you know, their, their politicians up there are feeding money into motorsport, so mm. it's, it's really good. Um, and the atmosphere at Hidden Valley is just crazy. That's why we keep going back. It's, yeah. it's just one place where you just want to go. And, mm. and because they've organised it well, where you get wherever, however it happens, you get Darwin first and then a week later you get Alice Springs. It just makes for, if you go up there and race at Darwin and then you've got a week to do things in Northern Territory before you race again. Mm. You can go do some pretty cool stuff yeah, before yep. you go do your, your favourite sport again. So mm. it makes for a wicked two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So talking of that trip then, you head down to Alice Springs and you get some, you run into some, um, sorry, the other way around, I think. You went to Alice Springs, you had flex plate issues there. You're having to fix the car at the track. Talk us through what, because you're a long way from home, you probably yeah. haven't got all the tools under the sun and you're driving it was your car. You're actually driving it. Yeah. Like, talk us through that because I don't think this is not a drag challenge or something, you know, no. where everyone's driving their cars to the event. You're kind of on your own there, aren't you? It's a, um, it's a bit sketchy when you when you got to drive it somewhere and you think, all right, we've put ourselves in a um, problematic situation now. <laughs> um, but but I that's what makes you know. Sorry to interrupt, but that's what makes it cool. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, that yeah. makes it. That makes your story that bit cooler as well yeah and people people are surprised about what i can fit into a car um it's like, it tetris yeah it's pretty much i call it car tetris now well packing tetris because they'll see you at the drags wherever you be like other side of the country in victoria or something like that and they'll see the pile of stuff you've got sitting next to the car and you're thinking they're looking at you going uh so what are you going to do with all that stuff where's your trailer you're like what trailer you see a toe ball on the car, and um, you, uh, I say to him, just watch me, watch when we finish today, just watch, and you just start loading stuff in, and everything's got its place and its orientation, and the boot is chocker block with gear, even in the wheel wells of the car, then other stuff, jerry cans, swag, and it all gets loaded in, and um, there's a lot of gear in there, including an Austral tent, all that sort of stuff. You've probably got a lot of gear, but I don't think there's a two-poster hoist in there, is no, there? No, <laughs> no. I mean, it would be nice. But, um, yeah, when we when we broke that flex plate, which, funnily enough, is the second flex plate we've broken in Alice Springs. Mm. Previously, a couple of years before, I took Lisa's car while she stayed back for a wedding. Mm. And um, I broke a flex plate, and luckily enough, the Territory Wrecker guys there took me back to their workshop and helped me put one in at about midnight yeah. in between qualifying and racing. But this weekend I was able to get a hold of a guy who got onto Territory Wreckers again and found me a second-hand flex plate, rusty old thing out of the scrapyard, and um, ripped the gearbox out there after racing right next to Gordon Crawford's truck. And uh, there's, you know, Marty Murko's lending me jack stands and we're getting 
you know, people throwing us tools, for, like the Fergusons, I think, mm. were just, yeah. they oh, left yeah. a toolbox out for us. They're like, grab whatever you need. Um, I've got the pulling the gearbox out to an art, so I can rip it out pretty easily. Lisa helps with the jack, and uh, we rip that out, change the flex plate, whack the, uh, well, say new, but, you know, pretty rusty one in, and slapped it back in, and away we went. Yeah. But it's yeah. um, on hard, pointy asphalt. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Uh, it's not not an easy job, but we got it done. We had determination to get to Darwin and race the next yeah, one. Yeah, So that's the thing about West Australian drag races in my mind. And I shouldn't say West Australian drag race. I think any doesn't matter what state you're from in Australia, if you're a drag racer, the guys from the same state will always help you out. People just mentioned Marty Murkow. I've got to have him on, actually. I spoke with him not that long ago, and I keep keep saying, yeah, yeah, yeah but we haven't done it yet. But, but things like, you know, people like Marty Murkow, Gordon Crawford, they are diehard, you know, I shouldn't say Andra, you know, people, but they are, they, they stand for, for Andra, they stand for West Australian drag races and that, you know, they would never let you down, those sort of people, yeah. would they? Marty you know. Murko and his crew are just great guys. We hang around with them a fair bit and they're good to get along with, you know, go yeah. out with, you have a good time. Mm. And Gordon Crawford, as you said, he is a strong um, representative for Andra. He always pushes Andra mm. and, you know, he's... That's the whole thing about the truck that he would take cars around. It's not because he was trying to make money from taking people's cars around. It was to get West Australians to other events. Mm, he yep. was he was losing money to do it, and we have to thank him massively for for getting Lisa's car around this year to to yeah. help her to get the Australian Championship. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, he's a he's a good man, Gordon. We should try and endeavour to get him on as well. So. That was your championship year, so it was a long, long season. You, you got there in the end, yeah. But, but it was also basically for you. Were you considering at the time, like you would be up against the neck the following season? You're going to be up against your wife. In did did you perceive that this was going to happen no, at the end no. of your season? No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> he wanted I, to back it up, and I'm like. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Like I'll be there to support you, but yeah. then you surprised me with, uh, oh, you can, your car's on Gordon's truck. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It's um, it was w- when I was fighting for the championship. I, yeah, it was it was a hard fight. It was thirteen or twelve or thirteen rounds, and we I went to every one of them just to make sure I had the best chance to do it. Mm. Um, and Not then, like me. <laughs> and then after that, I. I wanted to back it up, as anyone does. They want to back up a championship and, and show that it wasn't a fluke. Yeah. And um, so we, you know, it wasn't even a question. We were going to Darwin and Alice mm. again. Yep. yep. And then I thought, I was lo- realistically how it happened was I was looking up um, higher cars so Lisa could race again in the street classes because she yep. had a bit of fun last time. And I was thinking, scratching my head, going, why a hire car so expensive? <laughs> and then I just thought, well, it's going to cost 600 bucks to hire a car in Darwin and 600 bucks to hire a car in Alice Springs. Well, that's 1200 It's only two and a half to put Lisa's car on Gordon's truck and then a couple of extra entries. Mm, yeah. Butter yeah. it, we'll just do that. And, and it's going to be way more fun that she can race her own car that she knows and she's mm. competitive in in the same class in an actual national championship so yeah yeah and it worked out so 
No, definitely, definitely. Well, Lisa, let's let's move over to you then. Like, talk us through your journey then. So, you guys met around about fourteen years ago, if I've done my research right. Is it? Oh wait, oh wait. Oh, we started got together yeah. in 09, but we probably met in 07, 08. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that roughly fourteen years ago, you get hooked on drag racing as well. You dip your toe into the fast series as well. Talk us through how that all came to be. Uh, well, I eventually got my own V8. I just, uh, just double-checked with Paul that I could uh, have the same-looking car as him, and he said yes, so I'm like, sweet. And then he went and took me down to the Woolpass Wednesdays to get a handle of the car and do some big burnouts, and, uh, yeah, he just slowly gives you a Valentine's Day exhaust system, so <laughs> makes the car a little bit faster, and then the cam goes in, and then you start the fast series, and then... You start getting a bit further and, yeah, just got hooked and eventually uh, met him in the final of a fast series, which was good. And we both had pretty good reactions and um, I uh, had a win, so that was um, pretty cool. Yep. That was my first win against him and um, it was really hard to bet him since then. Yeah. Since this season and uh, done it three times, so... <laughs> A little bit of bragging rights there, but it's very hard to beat a guy that's uh, very consistent on both ends of the track with time mm. and uh, reaction. So yeah, 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 he's got me hooked. Yeah, all those time ago. So talk us through. That was a pretty emotional. From what I understand, it was a pretty emotional moment when you found out, as Paul's just saying, that he'd organised. You didn't know, but he'd organised for your car to be in Darwin and Alice Springs, basically to coincide. Uh, with this season. So talk us through that moment because you did say it was quite emotional. Uh, yeah, we're actually, I was actually just joking about it. Like, oh, I should uh, chuck my car on Gordon's truck because he had room. And then he just like looked at me and smiled. I'm like, I'd have. I'm like, oh, my God. And I had a little tear in my eyes because we are on our way to a WA performance. And, uh, yeah, told them about it. So, uh, yeah, I was pretty psyched for it. And I just try not to put too much pressure on myself and just enjoy experience yeah definitely no i can i can imagine talk us through then you so you win you win darwin you win alice springs right you win both those events yeah are you suddenly already thinking championship at this point or are you still uh still was a little bit nervous with the other um events either happening or not happening and whether other people were going to travel or not but um once you find out certain things are going to go into your favor it's just like yeah i've got this yeah <laughs> it's awesome yeah. No, I can understand that. Talk us through. We've had Kelly Betts on the podcast before. Um, talk with the success of Kelly Betts, Brittany Force, Erica Enders, and a myriad of other female drag racers. Simon and myself believe that drag racing is probably the most gender neutral sport in the world. Yeah. When you think about it, would you agree with that statement? Like, if you think it doesn't matter. Like Doesn't other sport, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I think in other forms of motorsport, like Formula One and, and supercars, unfortunately, whether it's right or wrong, the, the the females don't get the funding to get to that next level. But I think in drag racing, they've woken up to that, and Erica Enders is a perfect example of that. Same with Brittany Force as well, but. I mean, if it doesn't matter, it's it's completely neutral, no matter what yeah. the gender is, and it's 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 yeah. Talk us through that because it's it's not easy, is it? No, if you put enough time and effort and practice, and I've had Paul Pratt, uh, 
helping me out and uh, handing me with the lights and red lights and uh, if you got that support and, you know, you can do anything. So, yeah, yeah. without him, I wouldn't be right here. So, yeah, yeah anyone can do it. I've bet other guys, so it's really satisfying. <laughs> All right, so for the, so let's say the 17 year old female that's listening right now or watching right now given the fact that the super street is now we've got not just yourself stephanie galotto i just did my look i had a look through the list because i remember at the grand final i remember stephanie she was really unstoppable i mean i i haven't seen a run like yeah, that I and know. i was yeah. there yeah yes i found that out in the <laughs> you semi-final. <did>. yes yeah. <laughs> she's you a know, good racer she is so stephanie galotto denise downey uh, Kirsty Rowe, what would your message be to a 17-year-old female or 17-plus-year-old female that's thinking of getting into the sport? Is Super Street where it's at? Is that what you suggest to them? Let's forget that they're, they're, they're old enough now to not to be in junior drag star. Uh, find yourself a good boyfriend <laughs> with a little bit of money that likes racing. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, just start off slow, you know, get V6 like Paul did and... Um, yeah, just ease into it. Go to the fast series, do your streetcar class, mm. and go in from there. And then eventually, you might have enough money or with whatever job you got mm. to get a V8 and do some mods to it to be able to run a faster than twelve ninety nine, and no quicker than a ten double O. So, yeah, and then you get hooked like just like I did. Yeah, yeah. Let's put a bit more practice in those whoop ass Wednesdays with a tree and. You'd be right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've often looked... I mean, we looked at Super Street, you know, uh, we we I crewed with Simon many moons ago in the 90s in Super Street and then we went to uh, Motorplex and still crewed there. And there was, I think, maybe one female competing at the time. Uh, that was about it, you know. It was really a male-dominated uh, category. And then even Super Sedan, I think there was only... I can't remember her name now. How terrible were me. Um Anyway, in Super Sedan, there was a female competitor as well. But the point that I'm trying to make is now I'm seeing not just females coming into the sport, they're actually going rounds and very, very difficult to beat. Mm. Uh, I don't think anyone could have beaten Stephanie Galotto that night, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, like, I don't think. And that's how that's how it works sometimes, that when it's your night and you're on, mm. it's, it's yours that's for the it. taking. Nobody's going to stop you. So, And that was Stephanie's night. I mean, mm. against me, she cut a 008. Mm. So no matter what I did, it was it was never going to be enough to beat her. So yep. she is a tough competitor, mm. and so a lot of the other females like Ashley Rowe, mm. Kirsty Rowe, both hard to beat. Mm. Um, and you look up every category, and I was just thinking then, just about every category you got females that are in there, and they're right up the top. Yeah, um, Yvette Gregan, top yeah. sportsman. Yeah, Kathy Regan, um, Jody in Super Sedan. Uh, yeah, Natasha, Natasha in um, mod bike. In mod bike, yeah. Mm. You just every every category they're coming in, and they just they're not they're not in there to fill a number. No. They're just they're in no. there to take home trophies. Yeah. So it's um it's definitely coming by, and like you said, there's no female, male, or you know who's it's all equal, and they they're there to take it away. So Christine May was the lady I was referring oh, yeah, yeah. to. Yeah, and she she's was, still out there. Yeah, she was awesome. Yeah. She was hard to beat in Super Sedan. We'd be watching, because sometimes Super Sedan would run before us. I'd be watching her. She was very difficult to beat. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's not, you know, I've noticed now it's really the female dominance in the sport is becoming more prevalent. Yeah. 
talk. You just said double O eight. That's a reaction time. Talk us through. Do you guys actually have a practice Christmas tree? Because I can't see how you can roll out those reaction times off the cuff. Yeah, we do have a practice Christmas tree. It's at the Quinana Motorplex. Yeah. Really? Okay, <laughs> it's, that's it's incredible. Just, it's just going down there and yeah. giving it. And generally, actually, we've stopped practicing lately because I don't know. For me, I feel like if I go down and practice on the Wednesday before a big meeting. Mm. I do worse, mm. so I don't know why it is. Um, it's probably just me yep. getting in my own head. But uh, because our cars are set up as full street cars, we yep. we leave off the foot brake, mm. so we don't have trans brakes or anything like that. Mm. So we can't really practice mm. on a practice tree because yep. we're not leaving off a button. Yeah, but um, you know, maybe in the future we'll get one just to just to have fun and games at, at a party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I. Oh, I look after a car club myself in my spare time as as the president, and we had a we had a meet, we had a get together on a Wednesday night. We had it ran our own little competition. Yeah. Ray was really kind and uh, gave us a good discount on entry, and we had a couple of former drag racers there. I'm not going to mention their names. Anyway, they were they were happy with a zero twenty three. Yeah, that was our best reaction time. Now that they, to be fair to these guys, they haven't raced for a long time. Like long time, but they were happy with a zero two three and a zero two four. They were number one, number two. Your guys, you lost on a double o eight. Is yes, that right? Steph had a double o eight. Oh, I mean, Steph had the double o eight. Sorry. Like if um, you go back to a couple of weeks ago, I won the fast series, uh, the last round in Super Street. But previous, uh, the first round, I think, or maybe the second round, it's up against Rod Zunema, mm. and I. I think I cut a 011 light, so an 011 light, and you think, that's crackerjack, you know, you're not going to get much better than that. And I still got beat, and my and yeah. I was on my dial-in. Yeah. So yeah, I was thinking, what what's happened there? He cut a triple zero, perfect light. Yeah. <laughs> and, He's done that before and, too. And I hit think. his dial-in, and I'm thinking, Sometimes there's nothing I could have done. Beat. No, you can't. So You can't, and yeah. that's almost the perfect... I think he's done that sort of caver before, Ronnie Zudema, yeah. back in the early 2000s. It's yeah. great to see him back in the sport, by the way. Yeah. For those that aren't don't understand, reaction time is basically from the time from when the, 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 the last amber goes out to when you break the, the start beam. If you do that, however, prior to that green bulb coming on, it's a negative. So explain to people how you're actually, as you said, foot break, you're actually having to release the foot brake. You're up on the stall. You're up on the converter, obviously. But you're letting go of a, of a mechanical pedal. Yep. The brake line is releasing hydraulic pressure out of the brake system. And then the car is, you know, through a torque converter. You use an auto, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. 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 Through a torque converter going. So that, that's a whole lot of mechanical things happening there. So you have to anticipate the, you're anticipating that last amber going out. No, I, I'm guessing you're sort of anticipating the amber's going out, but still there's a whole lot of mechanical things happening in between from when your foot's coming off the brake. Talk us through that. Yeah, it's um, everyone does everything differently. And, and even how our cars are so similar, we both leave differently. Uh, it just comes down to the person and what their reaction is like. Like you might... We're, we're all looking at the same lights, but our bodies and minds react different. Mm. Uh, Lisa leaves off idle. I leave off uh, a bit of RPM, stalling it up. And I've just tried to tell Lisa 
that just leave off the same place every time and I'll try and adjust the car by weight or or whatever I can do to, to get the reactions pretty consistent. And it's worked, and with mine I use RPM, but it's um, generally for myself, it's it's as soon as you see the last amber, mm. you're hitting it. And and I go down on a Wednesday and I'm trying to coach a few people in the dial and stuff, and you look at their reactions, I'm like, how are you going? And you'll see a 600 light, and you're like, okay. Um <laughs> So I'd be, you're I'd be leaving, happy with a six hundred. You're, you're seeing, <laughs> you're seeing green before you leave, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Don't wait for the green." As soon as you see the last light, and people don't, they think, "Well, that's too early." Mm. I'm like, no, we, <clears throat> the light's got to illuminate. You've got to see it. Your mind's got to tell your body to hit the pedal. The car's actually got to do its thing and take off, and that all takes time. The lights are four hundreds apart, mm. so you got to you got to preempt it. Yeah. So you can't wait for green or else you've lost the race. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. No, definitely. You know, a couple of our members that haven't been drag racing before learned that the hard way. Like, you know, they're coming up with one, you know, reaction times at one second, yeah. and, like literally waiting for the light. And, but I, I get that as well. I mean, they were new to the, the whole thing. They gave it a go. They weren't quite sure where to stage the car as well. Yeah. That, yeah. that all comes into play. Just talking of that, how critical is the placement of the vehicle? Like, do you... The, the 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 pre-stage and then the stage beam comes on like are you do you creep forward more from there or are you just waiting for that bulb to come on and, that, and you you leave the car stationary <clears throat> you just want to yeah. well for us for us we just want to put it on yeah. we don't want to creep forward otherwise if you no. leave it the same spot then <clears throat> it could be a negative but sometimes if you're good enough like paul he can like preempt that little bit extra and then leave that little bit later and I'm yeah, like that's myself. incredible. Yeah, that's I, incredible. I just picked the cherry. I'm like, oh damn. Some like you've got to just bring it on because yeah. any other point, you don't know how far you're in. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to just bring it on, and you know that right, I'm right on there. So everything in your normal routine is going to work. Mm. But there are times where I've where you know we're dealing with streetcars, so not everything's perfect. It'll creep in a little bit too far, and you think, Oop, all right, I've got to be a little bit later on. Mm. Yeah. And it, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But you, it is what it is, you know, you can't win them all. So you're going down the track and, you know, you can, you guys, with respect, sometimes are leaving first, sometimes might be leaving second as well. It depends on your, your dialing. But I would suggest that sometimes you're leaving, most of the time you're leaving first because a lot of cars now are running 10 oh, I can't believe it in Super, yeah, super yeah. Street. Yeah, Super Street's gone a fair bit faster than it used to and generally... I'm, I'm getting chased. I don't chase much anymore. Yeah. So that race against Stephanie, just tell me, can you hear her? Not until the right, right at the end. But yeah. So that's one of the things that I've become really good at. I've been doing it a while, and, and I try to coach Lisa on. Uh, I know my competitor. I look at their data as much as I can, and I know Steph's car, that's a 130, 131 mile an hour car. Mm. I'm going to be doing 119 mile an hour. She's going to be coming up on me at X closing speed. You're not going to be able to sandbag or, you know, you know you're not going to be able to pick it. Mm. Just like racing Joel Trotman, John Zabo, or Lee Watson. Lee Watson. They're coming so fast at the end that you're not going to be able to pick it. So you've got to dial down a little bit uh, and just hold it flat. And if something happens like there's a massive difference in the reaction then you can maybe tap the brakes for safety um just to make sure you don't break out but um 
it's hard when the cars are coming that fast and, and that much of a closing speed. There's a lot of brake tapping going on, but I reckon. Oh, I'm oh, sorry, I, I went religiously. Down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I I urge anyone listening, like when the season recommences again, instead of a lot of people go to the start line, and yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of action at the start line, no doubt. That's with burnout is staging, staging jewels, but I urge people to spend maybe an hour or two at the top end, or go as far as you can to the top end of the track, which is what I did for the Andrew Grand Final as well. And I learnt a lot, lot more there as well, especially in Super Street. There's a lot of brake tapping going on, but that's 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 the theatre of the sport, you know. And and but I, I urge because the race is I know the race is happening right across from the start to the end, but it's actually quite exciting at the top end of the track. Well, that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that's where a lot of things can go right or go wrong. Yeah, um, I'm a lot of people don't like. Uh, it's not really sandbagging unless you're doing it on purpose, but a lot of people don't like getting on the like, that you get on the brakes and all this. So they think you're trying to do something a bit shady or something, but really it's just it's just safety. Um, you never know whether you copped a tailwind or, or the weather got better out of your control, or like the, something you didn't see, uh, or the car just sometimes they'll just want to go a bit faster. So yeah. you don't want to lose a race because of that. Mm. So. You just, you know, I just give it a bit of break. If I'm, if I'm, what I try and do is win by the smallest margin. Mm. Don't like keep a big gap, keep a big distance. Yeah. I just want to win by a bumper. Yeah, every time. But I think the commentary now, the commentary team, especially Stewie Bond, I think he's done, and and, and Chris, I think all the commentators, sorry, really have done a good. I don't think that word sandbagging was around a long time ago. I think that's gone. I think no one, no one, no one, no one suggests it's sandbagging anymore. It's it's the theatre of the sport. Yeah, it's your you're protecting a dialing, and they've really done a good job explaining of explaining that now to yeah. the to the average Joe punter that comes in. Why are these people breaking for? Wouldn't you want to be driving it out the back door? No, and and they've done a good job of explaining that and in, in protecting the dialing. And when you sit back and think about dial your own handicap, it really is the ultimate equaliser in sport really when you think about it because you're nominating your own handicap and if you go better than your handicap well you're out Mm. so it's all about racing to your to your you know your your ability i guess so and i think they've done a lot lot of in explaining that i think 20 30 years ago it was called sandbagging but i don't i don't think it is anymore yeah i think you're right in saying that it's protecting you yeah you dial in and all that sort of stuff Mm. but yeah, I mean, our class is probably one of the only ones you can really do it unless there's a major problem. Super Sedan, Top Sportsman, Modified, uh, Super Charge Outlaw, the, those guys can't do it, so they have to hold it out. And if, a bra- if there's a breakout, there's a breakout. Like you've seen, there was a few finals over the Westerns in the grand final where one car didn't leave the start line. I know. And the other one broke out. Yeah. Because yeah, they that's can't incredible, tell isn't it? The other that car's is incredible. Fly by or not. Yeah. So they have to hold it flat, and the guy who didn't even get off the start line takes home a. Takes home a trophy. Cheerio to um, it was Paul Newhoff was one I think, and yeah, uh, Colin Davis might have been the other one actually. He yeah. actually did get down the track, but his reaction time. I mean, Vlado Turek was had that race one and done, and uh, yeah. yeah, broke out yeah by a lot yeah. yeah. So yeah, look, I mean, that's that that is that is the beauty of the sport, and we always say that that's the beauty of drag racing. The race is not over until it's over, yeah. and and you know it's it, it really is a. a it's a great sport. Talk us through the grand final. Just explain. It was. Do you reckon it was arguably 
the biggest drag racing event we've had in recent times in Western Australia. 100%. Yeah. And it was a great event too. It was magnificent, the wasn't we- it? The weather tried as hard as it could to ruin it. I know. Yeah. But People breaking down. Yeah, I mean, there was plenty going on. Accidents. Um, oh, and there was some drama as well. And I reckon Ray, Ray Treasure must have lost some hair over that weekend. <laughs> He's got plenty to lose, it's all right. Yeah, he's not like he's, me. He's doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I swear that it was testing, but um, it was still one of the best events I think we've been to with the atmosphere mm. in mm. Perth for a long time. Oh, 100%. And yeah. to have top fuel back is always cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was probably the, the, the draw card, I guess, bringing the people in. But from my point of view, but watching... See, this is where we underestimate the commentators and the power that they have in the sport. So the commentators, they presented your story. You know, your story, your story was explained so well to the crowd that, you know, you were the reigning champion. Now your wife is now the reigning champion. And, you know, there was jokes and a bit of, you know, side commentary about, oh, well, you don't have to buy a new sticker. You just pull the door off the old VZ and just swap the doors over. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that, that sort of commentary. And that, that enhances the story, you know. I, I think I think you're 100% right. It was a, one of the best events we've ever had here. And I think moving into the next season, I think drag racing in Western Australia is all the or the better for it. But not only that, your story as well. I think there's a story to be told there, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, all the commentators there are doing a great job. Like you said, they're pumping it right up and they're explaining it to the crowd how it works. You know, a lot of people, if they're down there in the first time, they're wondering why cars are leaving the line at different times. Mm. Um, but, you know, Sean McCabe, uh, Stewie Bond. And Sean, that's the other Chris one, Mitchell. yeah. Um, yep. Sean was up at Darwin for mm-hmm. that event up there too, so that was pretty cool. Yep. Um, so we gave him a little ride around and, and talked to him up there, and so he knew a bit of the story. And uh, it's just cool that they can pump it up like that, and, and they definitely make it better. Like, otherwise, we're just mm. going driving up and down a road. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, 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 no, agreed. We just mentioned the Commodores, swapping the doors, making a bit of a joke about that. But talk us through these these beautiful cars. You bought one here tonight. I really appreciate that, actually. But talk us through these, these, these cars that have now become a bit of a, in my view... I know they're fairly like white. They're not, you know, you're not like a grab me or you know, haven't got like a wrap on there that's, you know, sort of stands out a lot. But talk, I think the cars have a bit of a cult following now. Uh, well, they definitely get seen around a fair bit. Um, yeah. They are pretty much our daily drivers. So um, you drive it to work, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, and obviously I don't drive mine to work. But um, when <laughs> I'm re- when I'm in Perth. Uh, uh, that's what we're driving around. It's it's either one or the other. Um, so and even lately, myself, I've been getting into the wrong one or put like loading the wrong car or something. It's hard to tell the difference. They, they are very very simple. I mean, they're identical. It's only the rego that you know probably yeah. gives them you know tells you which one is which. And to be honest with you, I, I reached out to Phil and shout out to Phil as well. To, to help out with some with some photos of the car, and I, I wanted some together, and he, there was quite a few to choose from as well. And but I think that those two cars together are becoming a bit of an icon in, in Western Australian Super Street. So congratulations to you! I think that's magnificent. The, both these cars are eleven two, eleven three, eleven four around there cars, yeah. depending yeah. on the day, yeah, yeah. Well. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, like Lisa's is a smidge faster than mine because she's got a bit bigger engine. Yeah, okay. So talk us through the popularity of the LS. 
I think yours is LS2. Yours? LS3. Oh, three. Yeah. Yours is two. Is that right? Uh, so Lisa's is an LS3 and mine is what you would, I guess, call an L98. Okay. Sorry. All right. But we'll, we'll just say, talk us through, I guess, the popularity of, of these, not so much the cars, but this engine type as well. Yeah, well, it's, I guess, just a carry on and a improvement of the small block Chev that's been around for a million years. Mm. Um, Alley. Going to make it lighter. It's compact, so you can fit it in just about every engine bay. Yep. Um, and a lot of people always used to say it's cheap horsepower. It's not so cheap anymore. Mm. Yeah, it has <laughs> gone up a bit, hasn't you know, it? An engine used to be able to buy for a thousand bucks is now three or four. Mm. But um, and because they're just so so far mass produced, yep. they're in every sort of Commodore since '99. So uh, there's a fair few out there, and there's plenty from America being shipped over as well. So they're readily available, heaps of parts for them, and they make good power for what they are. Yeah. So those two, they're both SSVs, is that right? SSZs, yeah. Oh, sorry, SSZs. So, I mean, but they're, they're, I mean, their market value now is on the increase as well. Like, you can't touch those. Like, I mean, I guess when you probably start kicked off, those cars were, you know, not readily available, but you could get quite a few of them They were of them going around nowadays those cars are now what i'm, I'm guessing a sixty thousand dollar close to sixty thousand dollars without even touching it you know it's, yeah, it's, if, if they're in really good nick and yeah and uh and you know they haven't been too far yeah played with but um you can get a decent dollar for them but uh yeah they definitely had a dip there where they went into their age and i think because holding shutting down mm. COVID put a bit of extra tax on things. So you're getting a bit more money for cars these days. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that'll last or, or what's going to happen with that. But we don't – people say, oh, you get good money for these these days. We have no intention of selling. Mm. So, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Ks on the cars are pretty high anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Travelling um, Ks. Yeah. You know, we could just list it as highway Ks. Yeah. Well, those cars now have, let's be honest, a bit of a cult following, don't they, yeah. really? I mean, their, their, their retail value – their market value is not really – in line with other cars of the same same spec because they have a, their own they're both championship winning cars that belong to the same family i think you know at the end of the day that's that's they're, they're becoming a bit of a icon in the in, in drag racing I, I i consider them yeah well that's pretty cool i mean you know we, we we go out there just trying to have a bit of fun and do what we love but if people follow along that's why we sort of created the facebook page so people could see what we're doing and where where we're about and maybe interest another of some other people to get into it. Mm. I think the fact that you drive them to events, I think that's awesome. I really do. I just can't. You know, that's a, that's amazing that you, you drive them there and back. They don't get trailered. I know a lot of super street cars. Most of them get trailered these days. A hundred percent, and that's why um, the, I I like the street part of super street. Now, so many of the cars. I'd say probably ninety percent of the cars in super street get trailered mm. they're sort of trailer queens and that they gutted out race cars really yeah um, so if they had a delay box in them they'd be in sedan but mm. we try and keep it straight we have the ability to do so and drive them to an event so we we give it a crack and then you know you, you take yeah. the little bit extra step and you drive to another state and then you start driving around the country and you think okay i was very nervous about doing the first one mm. um and i actually put a tow bar on the car took a trailer <laughs> full of spares, a massive toolbox, and I was Spare prepared gearbox. for anything. Yeah. I, yeah, diff, gearbox, everything. Oh, like, really? Yeah. I had everything. 
Um, I just didn't take a spare engine. But um, And then you slowly, over time, you go, nah, if it can handle driving a month in Perth, it can handle doing the Nullarbor. It's yeah. not as scary as you think. Yeah. Um, it's You're sitting on cruise control at, you know, 2,000 RPM just cruising along. So it's not working hard. As long as your car can handle driving around normally, it'll be fine. I think my opening statement about you being the triple eight of drag racing might be correct. Bringing <laughs> spare diffs and gearboxes around. Well, I mean, people these days, because I've broken a few flex plates, I mean, yeah. I take flex plates, fuel pump, alternator, starter motor, and even lately been taking a diff just in case anything happens. Just and axles. If you, well, definitely axles. Um, if you're chasing a championship, you want to be prepared. You don't want to be stuck somewhere and go, wow, I can't race now. Yeah. So, yeah. Or we'll get home. Yeah, and being a mechanic helps. Yeah, um, you know, you know, some ways you might be able to sneak around something and, and make something work. So, yeah, yeah. I know Todd that does a podcast with us sometimes as well. As uh, he drove to race wars one year down in Albany and competed in his Evo, and and he, you know, rightfully so, he thought he was pretty cool. Drove the car down there, competed, and drove back. But that's Albany's four forty, whatever it is, four hundred and thirty k's. This is another level, and he, this is just completely off the scale. Really, what you guys do, so. I yeah. think it's amazing. Talk us through, I just want to know, I know you use a member of WADRA, Western yep. Australian Drag Racing Association, that was formed out of uh, WASMA and... Westside. Westside, thank you. Um, talk us through the importance of club culture and being a member of, 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 being a member of, of something like that. Um. are very love, supportive. Oh, yeah, I love it. No, no, um, it's, it's great. It's just, I mean, it's hard for me because it's a Tuesday, which is the day that I fly yeah, to and from work. Yeah. So it makes it hard. But when it lines up with the day I come home, Lisa picks me up from the airport and then we're straight to a, a Wadra meeting. Mm. And um, it's just so good. The atmosphere, yeah. the people just having a chat, talking about what you're going to do, how your last meeting went. Ray's there to tell you what's going on with the track. There's a couple of little competitions Mm. Um, it's just such a good vibe and and it's just such good people involved. Um, past races, upcoming races, it's just so good. Yep, yep. No, I I I I, I used to be a member of WASMA a long yep. time ago as well. And uh, you know, the the work that Greg Carter did back in the day, uh, he was pretty influential in putting together WASMA back in the day, Shane Poo, uh, Shane Wynn, sorry, Poo we used to call him. Uh, and those sort of people, you know, and and forming of Wadra, I think, is really important. That you know, there's a club or a body that you know supports the races, has their own little competition in there as well. Talking of clubs, then, I mean, Andrews probably can be deemed a club as well. It's a, I know it's a sanctioning body, but we're all members, myself included, a member of Andra because we we believe in what they do and yeah. represent the races. I think they have a. I think they represent the races, but I also think they represent the fan as well. I think they do a reasonably good job there. And the, the Andrew Grand Final was a perfect example of that. Talk us through um, – I don't want to get too in detail, but talk us through the basics of Super Street. It's a die-your-own-handicap. It's an Andrew class. Like, it's a 10-0. Like, just give us a rough rundown for those that are listening what Super Street actually is. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's a beginner's class. It's a it's a stepping stone into some higher classes. It's yep, like you said, twen- uh, ten double O uh, to twelve nine is the what you're allowed to dial. Mm. Um, 
So I think you s- there are some regulations on what sort of, you know, you're supposed to resemble a streetcar and all mm. that, you know, but yes. I think they're lenient on that yep. these days. Um, but it's no uh, electronic aids mm-hmm. like uh, delay box, yep. throttle stops, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but other than that, it's it's pretty pretty open. You can have whatever you want, mechanical, supercharging, turbo, manual, mm. auto, any body type. I think the only real restrictions is there's a... Uh, minimum wheelbase. Yep. But you can pretty much have anything you want. Um, mm. There are some weird rules in there. Like, uh, I remember one time they did a fuel test and somebody came up. Uh, like that fuel didn't meet the spec or something. Uh, luckily, it was in qualifying and they made them change fuel. It's like, uh, how does it's Group Three? Yeah, makes no difference. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's it, there's a few funny rules in there, but Super mm. Street really it's just a stepping stone to some. Some bigger stuff, but it's it's some of the tightest racing out there. It is, yeah, uh, it's no, definitely. massively competitive. Yeah, some of the biggest fields in, well, at least in Perth and mm. and elsewhere in Australia. Yep. Um. And it's it's a big variety as well. Mm. Like obviously you got chassis cars or stuff like that in in some of the other classes, and you see a lot of the same stuff. But in Super Street, you've got the just the biggest variety of different cars. You've got new stuff, old stuff, mm. American, Australian, Japanese. Um, and you go uh, travelling over east, you see some really cool stuff that you haven't seen here as well, a mm. lot of old Holden stuff, and mm. it's really cool. Yeah. One common misconception, I think, of Super Street is the fact that people actually think it has to be road registered. That's not the case in Super Street, so no. it doesn't doesn't need to be registered. It does need to be road going uh, have a, some sort of resemblance. Yeah, I know there's a growing popularity. Even uh, Tony Zachariah as well has a road going V. I think he's his VU. V, yeah, VU. Sorry, yeah, yeah VU Ute as well, L- LS based as well. That's probably the popularity of of Super Street, isn't it? To a certain extent, is the fact that you can use those sort of road going cars, put a set of slicks on for the weekend. Away you go. Like people like Tony's a good example. He doesn't yeah. even. I don't think he keeps that at home. I think he keeps it on the way to the track somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure what he does where he keeps it. I know he lives up north, so or like north of Perth. So yeah, it is probably a bit of a drive for him. Um, but he, I remember talking to him when he first, when the first time I seen him bring that car out, he used to have a VC Commodore, yeah. I think it was, and it was a pretty uh, cool car, and that was a really competitive car. But he he sold that on for whatever reason he had and. Mm. But he, he crewed for Albi in that yeah. round and he just wanted to get back into it. And he, he sort of talked to me and he said, oh, I like what you seem to be doing. Just drive it to the track. Mm. No hassle, no trail and none of all that. I just want to drive it there, race it, do whatever you do and go home. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just so much. And, and that's, <laughs> I'm lazy. So I just, I don't want to do too much work. You say you're lazy, but I don't. I don't. I don't subscribe to that at all, Paul. <laughs> I mean, anyone that drives around, takes two cars around Australia, is is not lazy. But yeah, anyway, it's a real. I mean, when you guys do go racing, it really is a team effort, isn't it? So just talk us through some of the influence. I know uh, Mitch and Deb, WA Performance. I know that, you know our Josh at LS LSX Powertrain. G- give us a rundown of the people that help you get to where you, both of you are today. Uh, obviously, our friends and family, uh, they support us all the way. As you said, Mitch and Deb and, and Josh, um, they're always pushing us, helping us out wherever they can. You know, they're always asking, you know, do you need anything? Do you want, you need a set of tyres? How's that all going? Rocky's been really 
could be gearboxes, you know. Um, <laughs> whenever there's a, a problem, like I remember we've been the night before, the night before we'll leaving to go Melbourne. to Melbourne, I think, to go to Calder. I went to pick up some parts just to get before going home and getting ready and loading the car. We were supposed to leave at four o'clock the next morning, pulling out of um, oh. Old Mandra Road, and the car just clicked into second gear, and I just heard this sound of like a two-dollar coin dropping into a pan, and then all drive lost in the gearbox. Oh, and I'm thinking, I know exactly what that is. <laughs> it's, it's the um, the oil pump in the gearbox has broken the gears, and I'm like, oh no, turn it off straight away to cause as little damage as possible. But you get that box straight to Rocky, and he's like, oh yeah, when do you need it? And I'm like, now. Like now, <laughs> and he's straight onto it. So he's he's helped us massively in the past. And same Mitch and Deb, he was the one who actually I just rang Mitch and said I broke down the side of the road. And we're leaving tomorrow. He's like, all right, where are you? And he brought a car trailer down, took the car to the workshop, and went and picked up my other car. Both cars in there. We're pulling parts out of one car to put into the other car, and we we still got going that next morning. So yeah, those one people help us out massively. Advantages of having the same car, you're able to just like. Part swap. Yeah, part swap. Yeah, just like you yeah. need to get racing. That's yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the people at Wadra, massive support from yeah. them. All the yeah. other WA races are always helping us out. Yeah. Um, Andra, they've been really good. Brett Stevens at Andra. Mm. Amanda, Scott Halfyard. Um, Ray Treasure. Yeah. He's been one yep. of the most supportive people going. Um, mm. I remember s- meeting up with him at um, Portland a few uh, on a honeymoon it was. Uh, I just drove into Portland. Off, straight off the road, off the highway, and I pulled into a car park and, and turned around and Ray's staring at me. I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? <laughs> but he was managing the event. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, pretty sure this weekend, is in Darwin managing their first round of their championship. And he came back today, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. a massively busy man and yeah. he is just so dedicated to, my, uh, to drag racing. Um, he's got a full-time job doing it here, but he'll travel anywhere to do mm, it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Incredible commitment from 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 Ray and, and, and his family too and his brother going, I mean, tell you what, talk yeah. about going rounds. There's, oh, there's yeah. another guy there. Daryl and, and then seeing <laughs> Sam and, and the yeah. Western Nationals both take home gold Christmas trees. That's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So first husband and wife to come first and second in an Andrew Championship drag racing. What's next for the both of you? Um... We would like to keep going, but... Yeah, well, I mean, if, <laughs> we can't, if Lotto <laughs> comes in tonight... Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, we'll, Lisa will still continue in Super Street... Um, in Perth. In Perth this year. And if she does well in in the the summit rounds that come across, then maybe we'll look at travelling. I mean, we haven't got a calendar yet. We don't know what's mm. going on. But if she travels to be eligible for a championship... If she's done well, then maybe we'll do that. But um, at the moment, I'm thinking of having next season off because I've bought a uh, rear-engine dragster chassis and I'm in the process at the moment of extending our shed so we can get that in there mm-hmm. and start work on that. So yeah, um, so that's where I'm trying to go because I'm tight. So I don't yep. want to spend... Race on a budget. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. try and race on a budget, so I thought... How can you go fast, cheap, dragster? Yeah. So that's that's where I went, and it came up right after, uh, right before we were going to Darwin. And I thought uh, that's pretty cheap. I'll buy that. So mm. this will be modified. Um, I've got so many ideas of what I want to do, and I just can't figure out which one. So okay. There's modified, 
uh, or, or there's possibility of going Group 2 racing. Oh, sounds like comp. Um, yeah, so there's uh, DDA if I want to run NA because I want to stay LS. So I could possibly fit an LS into DDA. I could go, if I whack some turbos on it, maybe go double B DA. Uh, or there's put a blower on it and go supercharge outlaw. Yeah. So there's a few things that I'm thinking about and it just we'll see what comes up in the next few months of what parts come available to me cheap. Yeah. Because I'm, uh, you know, I love using, if you can find something in the shed that'll work or somebody's got something going, I'll, I'll try and put that together. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely understand that. That's uh, that makes you know that that makes perfect sense. That's I'm 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 happy for you because I was I was. It's good to see you making not necessarily an, a step up, but it, it is a step. You know, um, you're progressing along yeah. in, in the in the yeah. journey, and um, yeah, Group Two. We talk about comp a fair bit on this podcast, and I, I honestly, you know that that's a tough gig. That really is oh, a tough yeah. gig, yeah. comp. And uh, but I think you're up for it. I mean, I think anyone that drives around Australia, competing, committing to this series on a on a national level, I think half the battle is won if yeah. you can if you yeah. make that commitment. So I think half, you know, sure there's you know nuances in comp as well that make it difficult, but. I think you know. I think you're certainly both up to it. So yeah, no, that's congratulations. I'm really happy to hear that. Before we finish up, where can we follow your adventures? Give us a plug on the Facebook page. Uh, so it's um, Paul and Lisa's Drag Racing Adventures. That's um, the best name I could come up with at the time. It is an adventure, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, that's and that's pretty much how we uh, how we roll. So everything, every time we go, we don't just go racing. We go on an mm. adventure. We drive across the country, have a look over the Great Australian Bite or go see Ayers Rock or, or all that sort of stuff. So we have a look at that and it's all on that Facebook page. Mm. Um, yep. We try and take our friends with us on the trip. You know, you know, we get a few people we try and hook along. Uh, we had Ben and, ben and Mel. Mel come along with us up the top yep. uh, to Darwin and Alison, he did some fishing and all that sort of stuff and they see some new things. So, mm. But it's on that Facebook page. We try and put up as much as we can. I get a bit lazy with it sometimes. But Especially when we don't do too well. It's like, ah. Yeah, you know, you don't feel like telling everyone about it. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, we try and post up there whenever we can. Off-season, obviously, is going to... We'll try and get in some other mischief to put up there, but yeah, um, yeah we'll see how we go. Yeah. I always... I go to, I go to the Kimberley myself quite often for work and I, I'm... I think it's a really understated sort of place. I don't think, you know, people that are from Perth or the city do enough to promote those sort of areas. And, I, you know, I, I have this dream one day of, I don't know if you've been out to Kununurra, there's a road called Weber Plains Road. And if you're going through Kununurra, you won't, you don't have any need to go on, on Weber Plains Road, but it's a road out and it goes through some really magical um scenery yep. some rock faces and cliffs as you would know driving through that area and there's a straight bit of road there that's dead straight it's well over a quarter mile and you know i'd love for the shire of Kanara <laughs> to close that bit of road off just for just for a couple of days and you know have some sort of group three competition out there i think the road would need a bit of work because it's 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 um it's a beaut it's a beautiful no nah, it's 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 actually laser level it's a beautiful right. bit of road but the asphalt is quite aggressive yeah, you know? yeah, yeah but yeah some of the scenery up there is just magical and uh yeah. you know i think you know a lot of people from perth need to get up there so don't worry yeah. about going to you know here there and everywhere it's some of the most beautiful locations in in the world out right here in our footstep and i i saw some of your photos on your facebook page on oh, magnificent some of the places you went to so yeah 
Yeah. And I think it's just awesome you do it with a drag car. Yeah, so. it's it's great. We the trip up there is one of the best. Um, you know, we've done the I've done the Nullarbor nearly thirty times, but um, the trip up the top is is so good. The the scenery up there, the sunrises and sunsets, it's, it's magical. Um, mm. And and even seeing like some of the you know you just see. Um, the Boab trees and all yeah. that sort of stuff, and you're thinking this is this is pretty cool. And um, we're out there, and I oh, can't even. Nanya, we're at Nanya Tarra Roadhouse, I think. I think it's called. Thank you. And uh, we got a phone call from Marty Merco's um, crew, who was back in Perth. He hadn't he hadn't left yet. He was on, on a flight up, but Marty was broken down. He had a, tra- a trailer wheel come off and a bearing die, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, how far away?" And you're like, oh, "We're doing the maths," and I'm thinking. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're four hours away, so he goes. Well, he's got nothing else going on. I'm like, all right. So we were planning on camping, but yeah, we we took off up there and tried to help Marty out. But yeah. luckily, as I said, Ben and Mel were on our way. They were a little bit ahead of us, and he's a mobile mechanic, so he had heaps of stuff to help Marty out. Yeah, yeah. But um, all that sort of stuff. We were up there, uh, and we just we'd never, you know, you see the movie Red Dog, mm. and you think, um, well, let's go into Dampier and get a picture next to the Red Dog tro- uh, statue and all that sort of stuff that we'd never seen before. So we went and seen that, and, and you sort of try and stop in at all the little places and yeah. and see all the cool stuff that you can. And we're on a, a bit of a schedule, but you want to see as much of it as you can. It's a you know, great country out there, and oh, it is. definitely yeah. more people need to see it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Isn't it beautiful? You like you because it's July, roughly, when you travel. Like you're leaving here, it's eleven degrees. Yeah, it's oh, windy it's or so raining. Good. Yeah, <laughs> it's Darwin is the perfect <laughs> holiday place for our winter. Yeah. Thirty-two degrees, no wind. It's just yeah. magical. Yeah, even no. up up through Broome and all that. It's yeah. just yeah, so good. No, definitely. Lisa and Paul, it's been a pleasure having you here. I really enjoyed this, and as I said, I mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago when we did a review of the Andrew Grand Final. I said to Simon, I said, Simon, we have to get the Garbellinis in, and uh, yeah, I'm glad I did that now. It's been really wonderful having you here. Really appreciate your time. I know it's a public holiday at the moment, so really appreciate you coming in, giving up your public holiday. Um, as I said, they can find you on Facebook, Facebook, uh, Paul and Lisa's Drag Racing Adventures. That's Anywhere fine, else? Yeah. No website or anything like that yet? Uh, no uh, website or anything like that, no. no yep. I'm not too flash on the Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, so yeah. Facebook is... Facebook's it. That's no. it at the moment, yeah. No, no worries. If you go to the Motorplex uh, Facebook page as well, there's plenty of photos of these guys taking home a swag of trophies, and if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see, see them as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. No worries. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.